You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your message while become known as an authority in your field? Industry Thought Leader Podcast will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Hi, it's Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen, and welcome to the very first episode of Industry Thought Leader Podcast. The fact that you're here tells me three things. You've got a desire to take your influence, your impact and income to a much greater level. You've got a body of knowledge and experience that's been developed over a number of years and you've supported clients in making transformational changes in their lives and even in their business. However, the third thing, you're feeling invisible. You realize that there's a lot more noise and clutter out there in the marketplace and you feel like the world's best kept secret. If any of these or maybe all of these things sound like you will welcome, you're in the right place. This is episode one of my three part series and it's all about how to become known as an authority in your field that recognized industry thought leader. And I've created this series after having so many conversations with change makers, just like you, who wanted to impact the world with their message and they had a desire to become known as that authority in their field, that industry thought leader. But despite all of their knowledge and experience, they did struggle to stand out from all of that noise and clutter. And while they've had great results with the clients that have already worked with, and you know, they worked hard to get where they are now, they are nowhere near where they want to be or where they think they should be. And if you can relate, then this podcast series is going to be invaluable for you. And as you're listening, be mindful that some of the things that I'll be sharing, you've probably got in place already, which is great. And I do encourage you to continue listening because there may just be a few little tweaks that you can make here and there that you need to do in order to really take things to the next level. And there may be things that you realize, oh, I haven't got those in place. Or maybe that particular area in my business that hasn't worked before. Fantastic. Let's get you into action working on that, on the right tasks, so that you really can take what you're doing, your message, your influence, your impact, and of course your business results to where you want them to be. So you ready? Now, this podcast series includes three episodes, including a bonus episode. I did mention them in episode zero, the very first little snippet where I introduced what the show was going to be about. But let me repeat those for you in case you haven't heard that. Now, in the first episode, which is this episode, I'm going to be talking about five key foundations to stand out from the crowd and being seen as that authority in your field. And by the way, this episode being the first and laying the foundations, it's going to be longer than the rest of the episode. I do encourage you to listen to the entire episode because it lays some critical foundations in your business too. And it's often the reason why so many experts never really reach that industry thought leader recognition. Or what they do is they're able to grow their business to a level, but not past that. And, you know, they remain stuck 
and not really achieving what they'd hoped they could achieve or what they could have achieved had they remained focused and had they, of course, had these key foundations in place. Now, in episode two, I'm going to be talking about five common barriers that'll keep you stuck from becoming known as an authority in your field. In episode three, the system, the program and process that'll enable you to turn increased influence and impact into significant income. And as a bonus episode, uh, which is one of my favorite topics from podcast listener into lead, three key strategies to cut through the noise and nurture prospects into paying customers with your Thought Leader podcast series. Now, if you and I have not yet had the opportunity to meet, I really am honored and pleased that you are joining me. It means a lot as you're choosing to spend some time with me, and I don't take that for granted. So I'm committed to sharing everything that I've learned over the years that I have learned through trial and error, um, through my mentors and many coaches that I have invested in so that you can begin to position yourself as that industry thought leader. So just a little bit about my background. I've spent years working as a strategist in in personal branding, in marketing and communications, initially in the career industry, working with executives and professionals, helping them to get noticed, to get hired and to get paid what they're worth. And later within the business world, supporting coaches and consultants, helping them get noticed, booked and paid what they're worth. And over the last few years, I've pivoted my business and now support change makers and aspiring thought leaders to take their message to the world with their own podcast or podcast series. And it's the practices and the processes that I'll be sharing today that have enabled me to become known as a thought leader across both of those industries. In fact, I started my very first co-hosted podcast in 2008 while I was still working in the career industry to be the voice of hope and inspiration amongst the deluge of doom and gloom after the GFC devastated families worldwide. And since 2008, I've hosted and produced uh, over dozens of podcasts and podcast series, have interviewed thousands of guests from diverse backgrounds, won Best Business Podcast Awards, with my podcast regularly being included in the top business podcast globally. And it's this experience that has seen me become recognized as an industry pioneer and being dubbed the podcasting queen. It's something I had to get used to, but now I am able to embrace. Now, over a decade on, I've recently authored another book, Industry Thought Leader, How to Go from Invisible to Influential and Profitable with a Podcast. And I love being able to be that voice of inspiration while support change makers become known as industry thought leaders. Now, if we were sitting across the table from one another and I asked you what some of your struggles and challenges were, If the response that you mentioned to me that you are struggling to be seen and heard from all the noise and clutter, despite all of your experience and knowledge in the industry and the clients you've been working with, but you still feel like you are the world's best kept secret and you don't know why or you don't know what you're doing wrong because you've been following everybody's advice, building connections, joining in conversations, sharing content across social media platforms and posting as often as you can. But none of it has been able to generate the visibility or number of new clients you've hoped for. There are a number of factors that are causing this. Reason one, and that's market saturation and fragmentation. There's another reason, reason two, that your ideal client's expectations and, of course, the buying journey has changed. And reason three, your ideal client is less 
trusting. So reason one, market saturation and fragmentation. Reason two, your ideal client's expectations and buying journey have changed. And reason three, your ideal client is less trusting. So let's look at these three reasons briefly. Reason one, market saturation and fragmentation. Market saturation is really all about the fact that customers have far more choices now than they know how to deal with. People are busy, overwhelmed with information and time is limited for all. This is what Jenny Kyle, CEO of Cardtext, quoted in a Business News Daily article, The Biggest Challenges for CEOs in 2017. Now, even though we're a couple of years later than that, I think it's still very much a challenge that CEOs are struggling with. And Jenny goes on to say, companies are going to need to find a unique way to stand out in order to share that what they have to offer is a product or service that a person needs. And market fragmentation, I I love the online dictionary definition. Market fragmentation is the emergence of new segments in a previously homogenous market, which have their own distinct needs, requirements and preferences. These fragments reduce the effectiveness of mass marketing techniques and erode brand loyalty. And I'm sure we've all heard marketers say how important it is to keep the content native to the platform that you're posting on, which means that when you create one post and share it across all platforms without tweaking the content to suit that specific platform, you're not going to make the impact that you want. This is very true when it comes to podcasting, you know, creating a Facebook live or any other video for that matter, and then stripping the audio and posting it as a podcast. It's not going to have the same impact and results as if you were creating a podcast specifically for that podcast audience. Take a webinar and then stripping the audio from it and posting that as a podcast. It's not going to have the same impact and the results than if you were to create a podcast that was specifically created for your podcast audience. Now, there's certainly ways to repurpose certain content, and I'm all about repurposing what you're already doing. However, you need to be mindful that there is a clear strategy and a clear intention in how you pre-frame that content and you share it with your podcast audience. For instance, if you were going to uh, repurpose a Facebook Live, why not then say as as a preframe on your podcast, hey, I've recorded this podcast live previously, but I'm sharing it with you today because there's some key points that you need to be aware of that I know so many of you are not doing. So let me go ahead and um, share that Facebook Live for you. And by the way, listen out for point number two, because that one is really, really important. And then you might then play the Facebook Live. So you want to pre-frame it so that your audience doesn't feel that you are trying to just repurpose content or any old content without really keeping them uh, in mind and, and make it known why this is relevant. It has to be done from a compelling sense of outcome focused and what your listener is going to achieve through taking the time and and focusing on listening to your podcast. So as an aspiring thought leader who wants to become known as authority in your field, be mindful that creating one piece of content and blasting it across all of your social media platforms without consideration of the audience and their expectations on that platform, it's not going to have the same impact that it once may have had. 
And that is because of market fragmentation. Reason two, your client's expectations and their buying journey have changed. Now, a recent article that I found, and I'm going to explain what a graphic in this article was sharing, is that the buyer's process has changed. 89% of consumers begin searching for products and services using a search engine. So think about your specific area of expertise. 89% of your ideal clients are searching online for services and products that you offer using a search engine, 89%. So I wonder what content are they finding that you're sharing regularly that's cutting through the noise, that's challenging the status quo and can be seen as a valuable solution and information for your ideal client, that consumer who is actively searching for something online, 89%. Another statistic I want to share with you is that 57% of the buying process happens before a sales rep gets involved. Considering that people are looking online, 57% of them are making a decision as part of the buying process before they even speak to you, 57%. And so how often do we have coaches or consultants saying, well, I'll explain that a little bit more and in more detail when my ideal client contacts me by phone or via email. But yet 57% are already going through that buying process from the things that they're finding online. So that means you need to have quality content, compelling content and valuable content online to be found when your ideal client is searching. And reason number three is your ideal client is less trusting. And we've all heard about the importance of building know, like and trust with our potential customers, especially if we want our ideal client to do business with us. Edelman, which is a global communications marketing firm, they've been conducting studies on the topic of trust and it's highly respected globally. And they believe that their proven strategy is to engage audience over time to earn their lasting trust, which they, and I quote, believe is the strongest insurance against competitive disruption. This is all about trust, the antidote to consumer indifference and the best path forward to continued growth. And we all know the importance of building no like and trust with our audience. However, according to recent studies by Edelman, consumer trust is low, especially when it comes to business. Now, recently I attended a conference and I heard global futurist Chris Riddle say, we need to reinvent trust. And sadly, many of the things that I see businesses doing both online and offline, and some of these things I'm going to speak about in episode two of this podcast series, those things that they're doing is not building trust, but rather it is eroding that trust. And their actions, and in some cases, inaction, continues to diminish trust. And of course, I'll speak a little bit more about that in episode two. However, for now, I want to share with you how do we address these three situations I mentioned. Reason one, market saturation and fragmentation. Reason two, your ideal client's expectations and buying journey has changed. And reason three, your ideal client is less trusting. Well, how do we address that? And how do we transform that from being a problem to a solution? You have to have these things in place. There are five 
key foundations. And in fact, I call these your core business foundations, which you need to have in place in order to stand out from the crowd and being seen as an authority in your field. A signature brand, your lucrative niche, your signature system, your signature programs, your digital assets. And in today's episode, I'm going to dive deeper into the first two, a signature brand and your lucrative niche. And then in episode three, we're going to talk more about your signature system, your signature programs and your digital asset. Now, let me speak about some of the myths and misconceptions and mistruths when it comes to building a signature brand and having a clearly defined niche. Mistake number one, it's not important. This happened when I was speaking to a health and wellness coach during one of my business breakthrough strategy sessions. She'd been struggling to get more clients for some time and she was at her wit's end. Now, a few years prior, she had invested thousands of dollars with a business coach and internet marketer, and she'd worked very closely with them to implement a number of things within her business. Now, she now had a website which looked impressive. She continued to write regular articles. She was growing her social media platform. They were all set up and she was actively sharing information with her growing community. She had a range of programs she could offer to suit prospects needs. She had been involved in a number of JEV opportunities and through partnering with others um, was slowly starting to see a growth in her following that way. And she'd built a sizable list of subscribers that many coaches would envy. But here's the thing, she still wasn't getting any clients. Why? In my opinion, it was because the business coach and the internet marketing guru forgot two major elements in their work with her, which was now negatively impacting everything she'd put into place. And they were understanding her market niche or her niche market and getting totally clear about her ideal clients, including demographics and psychographics. And also they hadn't unearthed what I call her inner brilliance. And this is her unique attributes, her characteristics, her core values and other key aspects that would help her to create this powerful and influential signature brand. And unfortunately, never once were any of these two key elements considered as she continued to build her website, her articles, her programs and packages. So that really wasn't helpful at all. She hadn't been able to really distinguish herself with that strong, influential signature brand. Here's mistake number two. Service businesses, they think that they don't need to build a brand. Now, the second situation was an article that was titled Forget Branding. And it went on to say that service-based businesses, so in other words, coaches, consultants, solopreneurs who are selling their services and expertise, shouldn't bother with building a brand. Now, the author, who was a marketing specialist, posed this question. Can service businesses be branded? To which he responded, in my view, services and brands are not related, although many practitioners would have you think they are. Hmm. When I read that article, what can I say other than what a load of beep? <laughs> I mean, did the author honestly believe that service-based businesses can't or shouldn't build a strong brand? I mean, at the time I was thinking, what planet is he on? Because your brand, it's your reputation. It's what other people think about you when your name is mentioned. And everything that you do, everything that you say, how you show up, who you associate with, all of that impacts your reputation. In other words, your brand. It can impact you positively and it can impact you negatively if you're not careful. So that is a definite mistake. 
Do services businesses need a brand? Absolutely. Now, mistake number three, go out and get clients and worry about niching and branding later. That's something that I've heard being said too by other business coaches. Now, this situation actually relates to a business coach who believed and said it was important to build value first and to work with as many clients as possible, then go back and think about niching and branding later. And whilst I agree to some level, that is only when you're really starting up and starting out. And for you listening to this podcast today, you're already changing you know, your clients' lives. You've been out there, you've been servicing clients, getting generating great results. Now you really want to find out why is my message not making the impact and generating the clients that I should be because of the fact that I've got so much expertise and value to, to offer. So you would have gone through all of this process. And so for you not to have that strong brand, I think is, is definitely going to keep you stuck. Let me give you an example of a life coach. If she follows this business coach's advice and offers her services to a clientele with numerous issues, when you read through her website, you see that she can help you if you're struggling with relationships. Oh, and do you have a problem with your career? Or she can help you out with that too. Did you say that you've got a phobia of spiders? Oh, the steps that she follows in her coaching program can help you get over your arachnophobia too in just one session. Problem with smoking? Guess what? This life coach can help you give up smoking in three simple steps. She can do all of that and much more. Now, I wonder if this business coach has heard of the saying, Jack of all trades and a master of none. Personally, if I was struggling, say for instance, um, she was a life coach that specialized in marriages and strengthening marriages. Now, just say for instance, I was a prospective client and I was struggling with my marriage. I'd want to see a relationship counselor or an expert who specialized in that area. I mean, for me, my marriage is far too important to just go to some generalist. Wouldn't you agree? And what about if I was unhappy with my career? I would rather go and see a qualified specialist in the area of career coaching who was trained specifically in the area of careers to help me find a job that I loved. After all, I spend so much time at work. I'd want to see and seek the help of a specialist, not just a generalist. So trying to be all things to all people can lead to disappointment, exhaustion and frustration. Exhaustion because you're having to do double, triple, quadruple the amount of marketing. Frustration because you're not generating clients or as many clients as you want and that leads to disappointment. And if your goal is to become that specialist, that authority, that industry thought leader in your industry so that you can boost hireability, your credibility, and of course, profitability with income, get paid what you're worth, being seen as a generalist and a jack of all trades is certainly going to stop you. So when it comes to having a reputable brand and a clear niche is really important, we're going to talk about that in a moment. So yes, 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 I believe these two things are paramount if your goal is to build your reputation as a specialist in your field to help you get noticed, to get booked and to get paid what you're worth. And understanding and defining your niche will allow you to create programs and packages that you know your ideal client will want to invest in because you've spent time listening and observing your ideal client to see what he or she is struggling with. And this information will allow you to better tailor your message too, so that you can speak directly to their needs. And your brand voice and your message will connect with your ideal client. And you can tailor your services and programs as a solution to help them overcome 
their problems. So identifying and defining the core elements of your brand is going to ensure that you build your credibility and will distinguish yourself in the marketplace by incorporating your signature brand in everything you do, including these things, your brand voice. These are the words that you use in your articles, your flyers, your sales pages, even as you're speaking on a podcast. Your brand design, the look and feel of those brochures, including the fonts and images, your personal persona, so the mannerisms and your body language, your character, and of course your brand style, the clothes and accessories that you wear. And once you've got all these elements in place, not only will you start to attract and you know get the attention of your ideal client, you'll also boost your credibility and reputation as that specialist in your field. And prospects, they'll want to work with you because of the fact that you're building that reputation as that industry thought leader and of course the value that you're offering to your ideal client. So how do you do that? Well firstly let's go through a definition to make sure that we're on the same page. A brand is an overall experience of a customer that distinguishes an organization or product from its rivals in the eyes of the customer. Brands are used in business, marketing and advertising. Name brands are sometimes distinguished from generic or store brand and that comes from Wikipedia. If your business is not a brand, it's just a commodity. Not sure who said that, however, I totally believe that. That's another quote. And one of my mentors, personal branding evangelist William Aruda, says what makes you unique makes you successful. Firstly, here are five key elements that will support you in building a strong brand. Firstly, a strong brand is clear on its mission and purpose. It knows what it stands up for and for what it believes in no matter what. And your conviction, which is motivated by your core values, is at the heart of everything that you do and is what continues to drive your business forward and you forward. And service-based business owners whose work is aligned with their mission and purpose are extremely passionate about what they're doing and continue to portray this message in all of their communications. Their mission and purpose and passion for their work are unmistakable and is what enables them to make strong connections with their prospects, with their clients and the people with whom they continue to network. For instance, my mission and purpose is to change the world one message at a time. I do this through my own podcast as well as helping my clients, other change makers, impact the world with their message, with their own podcast and that's why I'm committed to helping my clients go from invisible to influential so they can impact the world in a much bigger way with their message. So my mission and my purpose determines the content for my blog posts, my podcasts, my videos, my books. Each message aims to convey inspiration, optimism, excitement, empowerment and triumph. It's really important to me and that fuels the desire to be of service to my clients. So are you attracting and building meaningful connections? Are your communications resonating with people who you want to support, who share similar goals and can benefit from investing with you? So secondly, a strong brand understands and leverages its uniqueness. And as a service-based business owner, to position yourself strongly within your field, you should strive to build your reputation as that specialist, not to shy away, but rather really position yourself as that expert and as that thought leader. To achieve this, it's imperative that you are able 
to define your strengths and talents and what makes you unique. What's your ace card? Whilst also feeling comfortable um, and confident in positioning yourself as a specialist. And unfortunately, many service-based business owners fail to truly understand what makes them unique. They feel very uncomfortable and claiming to be you know at that level of specialist status if you don't recognize the value that you offer your clients how can you expect prospects to understand the benefits and the outcomes that they'll receive whilst there may always be additional information that you want to learn because things are changing all the time in industries and we are often um, you know lifelong learners aren't we what's important though is to recognize that your knowledge your strengths your reputation the ability to support your clients in overcoming their challenges and obstacles and achieving solid results, which is the value you offer. Be proud of that and continue to promote your skills and expertise to your ideal clients in all of your marketing and your communications. Thirdly, a strong brand is clear on its target market. And for service-based businesses who can't define their ideal clients' issues and problems, while also demonstrating how they can support these clients in overcoming these issues, what often happens is they communicate inconsistent mixed messages so a confused idea client who doesn't understand what you do or more importantly how you can support them will say no so when a business owner doesn't generate the response they'd hoped for what they then do is they increase their marketing they say i need to do more marketing however it's not the number of pieces of content that they're sharing they have to actually go back and look at the message that they're sharing because the message they're sharing is continuing to confuse prospects because they haven't got that clarity on their target market their ideal client and again we're talking about niching here aren't we and so what happens is it's this unpleasant vicious cycle um, that can lead to frustration and marketing burnout and uh, again I'm going to refer to personal branding evangelist William Aruda who is one of my mentors from many years ago and he aptly states personal branding is not a about being all things to all people or trying to please all of the people all the time it's about taking a stand and being comfortable knowing that some will not agree with your point of view of course this does not mean being contrary for the sake of it either you must be clear about what you believe and be willing to express those beliefs so let me ask you are you trying to be all things to all people do you feel like you're on the verge of marketing burnout because despite all of the marketing you've been doing you're just not generating the results you are hoping for. You may just be sending out mixed and confused messages. Number four, a strong brand continues to create a consistent on-brand message. It can take a significant amount of time and energy and commitment to build a strong brand. So don't expect to build that overnight. However, your brand and reputation can be tarnished overnight by an inappropriate post or a picture or a conversation that you have with members of your community. Just one phrase, and I'm sure we've all heard of those examples where someone's tweeted something or posted something and all of a sudden, the, you know, the entire internet's blown up with comments and, and criticisms that this, what, what was said was just horrendous. And people have lost their jobs, lost their jobs, lost businesses by saying this inappropriate comment. So you need to ensure that you've got key brand management and communication strategies to support you in maintaining that consistent on-brand message. Be mindful of what you post, be mindful of your interactions with your community, the pictures you share, the groups you join, and the people you associate with. All of these things can negate all of the hard work that you've been doing if the message you send out is off-brand and lastly 
Our strong brand continues to build solid relationships with its community. Are you interacting and sharing valuable information with your community? Are you responding promptly to your community's comments and questions? Do you thank them for sharing your messages with their extended community? These activities are things that you should be doing every day or getting your team to at least alert you to, or you've got someone who you trust fully with, uh, and they understand the experience and the, the brand voice that you are speaking, that, that you've given them the authority to be able to respond on your behalf. So these are all strategies that you need to have in place so that your team know how to appropriately communicate your brand even when you're not there to be able to do that. So those are all things that you need to discern and have in place. Because remember, your brand is your reputation. Ensure you maintain it, your business's survival depends on it, especially if you want to position yourself as an industry thought leader. All right, not long to go. Let's have a look at defining your lucrative niche. To ensure we're on the same page when it comes to the meaning of a niche, denoting or relating to products, services or interests that appeal to a small, specialised section of the population. And one of my colleagues, international best-selling author, speaker and influencer Adam Houlihan, speaks of the benefit of a micro-niche, which I totally agree with. And a micro-niche is a segmentation of your niche. You're narrowing the who or the what down even further. And why is it important? Because similarly with a brand message, the same as when you're creating content to a specific market. If you try to speak with to everyone in the market, you'll end up speaking to no one. Here are some of the benefits. I'm just going to rattle them off of having a clearly defined niche and micro niche. You can enhance your relationships with prospective customers because you're speaking specifically to them. They'll notice you. You'll reduce your competition. You'll increase your visibility, which may, may sound odd because you're kind of thinking, well, how can I increase my visibility if I'm targeting a narrow section of the market? That's because you can use things such as hashtags and other tactics to speak powerfully and with confidence to your ideal client who's struggling with that challenge. And what often happens is people will start recommending you, referring you, you, ref, you know, sharing articles, sharing your podcasts to their community of other people who know who they know are struggling with the area that you're an expert in. And then as you continue to build that reputation as an authority, people are going to start to look to you, turn to you, recommend you and tell others who are struggling to reach out to you too. That's just some of the benefits. So let's talk about what kind of niche markets there are. There's a couple that I've heard speaking about. You can have a horizontal niche or a vertical market. So horizontal or vertical. Niching in a vertical market, I believe, is focused more on the who. Niching more horizontally is focusing on, on what. So let's have a look at horizontal niche. So hopefully you're staying with me. You can go deep into the specific area. For instance, you might be a life coach who works specifically with people who struggle with insomnia. However, you're niching even further with insomnia for middle-aged women. So you can see that that's diving deeply into a specific area, which is insomnia for middle-aged women. Maybe you're a personal trainer, so you could niche further into PT for women, but you could niche down even further PT for women who've just had a baby. There's certain conversations that they're having with themselves. Oh, I wish I could go back to my pre-baby weight. Um, there might be a pair of jeans that she's looking forward to fitting back into after she loses that extra weight. So the conversation the content that you share, the empathy that you build for your ideal client who is a woman who's just had a baby, who may be really tired because young bubs is keeping her up at night, juggling, you know, family and all of that. Those are all things that you're aware of and therefore can be sensitive towards when you're creating content. 
Once you start to really define that and bring that forward within your conversation, she's going to look forward to hanging out with you, to be inspired by you, to be empowered by you. And then eventually she's going to go, right, I'm going to take action. Let me reach out to her or him because I want to find out and I want to follow his system or her system to help me lose my baby weight. That's what happens when you niche and that's like a horizontal niche when you go deep into a specific area. Now, a vertical niche is when you go deep to a specific market. So who? So in other words, you might be a digital agency that focuses specifically on the financial industry, or you might be a software company who's an expert in providing software solutions just to the fitness industry. So you're providing a number of different solutions, but just only for the fitness industry. Or you might be an accounting firm that offers products and services. So diverse products and services, but specifically for the building and construction industry only. So those are just a couple of examples that I'm throwing out there for you to consider. You've got to make a decision on how you are going to niche. Now, I have to be honest with you. I have struggled for years in niching because I'm a creative soul. And if I was going to do this, the one thing over and over and over, I would have gotten bored, which is why I used to work, you know, in the career industry. Um, the services I offered were three distinct offerings resume development so that their application would stand out, career coaching to help people find a job they loved, interview coaching so they could negotiate a salary that paid them what they're worth. And I could very easily have focused on just one of those areas, resume development or career coaching or interview coaching. However, I wouldn't have been happy. I love doing it all. But what I did do is I created a tagline that said, get noticed, get hired, get paid what you're worth. And that then allowed me to focus on specific markets like the graduate market or the senior executive market or women returning to the workplace market with various services, but all with the goal and the outcome of helping them get noticed, hired and paid what they're worth. So if I was working or targeting a graduate, there would be certain conversations that I would say, you come into the end of your degree, you're excited to get started in your new career, but you don't know how to position yourself because you don't have much experience other than the qualifications. So you see, that's very different languaging in my content than if I was speaking to a senior executive who wanted to go for a board position or a woman that was had gone and left um, corporate to have a family and now she was returning to the workplace. Each of those circumstances were very different experiences and challenges that they had to overcome in order to achieve their goal. So the way that I wrote articles specifically targeting them were very different, but it took me focused, committed action to get there. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. Consistent content, consistent brand, consistent messaging and positioning. I've had all of these five keys foundations in place, which I spoke about earlier, and that's what you need to have in place too, a signature brand, lucrative niche, your signature system, signature programs, your digital asset, and those last three I'm going to talk about in episode uh, three of this series. So similarly, when I started working with business owners, I just don't focus on one area, signature brand, money mindset, building online reputations, and getting over the fear of public speaking is another area that I love to work with as well, helping them to put um, their signature talk together. So my tagline was get noticed, get booked, get paid what they're worth. And now when it comes to my work in podcasting, I use all of my knowledge over the last two decades to help clients go from invisible to influential and profitable with a podcast. And I make sure I create that strong, compelling, outcome-focused tagline and ensure my message is consistent, it's focused, and 
for me now is it's helping me position myself as an industry thought leader to help other people position themselves as an industry thought leader. So hopefully through that, you have really gotten some clear insights into why it's important to have a strong brand and why it's important to have a clear niche or a micro niche. For me now, I'm micro niching in the area of podcasting. However, I'm also helping businesses to create a profitable podcast, which means I need to focus on lucrative niche, signature brand, signature system, signature programs, and of course the irresistible signature giveaway, that digital asset. So I'm naturally bringing all of that expertise to be able to support my clients and that's what I'm encouraging you to do as well. Now I cannot wait to share more in episode two, five common barriers that'll keep you stuck from becoming known as an authority in your field. Remember you can access the entire podcast series along with the Are You Ready to Launch Your Thought Leader podcast quiz and other resources that I've added there for you too over at annemariecross.com forward slash podcast series that's annemariecross.com forward slash podcast series I'll see you in episode two you've been listening to industry thought leader podcast Want to learn how to leverage your expertise, monetize your message, while become known as an authority in your field? Access our free industry thought leader podcast series to show you how at www.annemariecross.com forward slash podcast series. That's annemariecross.com forward slash podcast series.